Welcome back, everyone. Really excited to have Quacking Tiger on the show this evening to recap the early signing period for the 2022 class and to talk about the shakeup in the coaching staff at Clemson. Had some departures, had some promotions and elevations happening on the staff. So great to catch up with Quacking Tiger as always and touch base on the state of the program. Coming up, just want to let everyone know about a few shows we'll be having. We'll be doing a Cheese It Bowl preview and a Cheese Bowl recap show. Looking forward to catching back up with Ben about just what's going on with the program right now. Uh, Clemson basketball, Clemson soccer, Natty, just so much going on in the world of Clemson athletics. So, uh, you know, hope, hoping to take some time to recap on all that. I uh, wanted to send everyone happy holiday wishes. And as always, go Tigers. the Clemson podcast. I'm your host, Nick. What well, happy to be joined tonight by a special guest, none other than Quacking Tiger. QT, this is our early signing day show. Always like to have you on before, during, or right after a new recruiting class comes in, sort of profile the class, talk about the state of the program and the roster, and really just let everybody know how we're feeling about uh, the team moving forward. Um, I think this year, special circumstances with coaching departures, uh, player departures, decommits, all that stuff. A lot of action in the last couple of weeks. Uh, just wanted to check in and see how you're feeling. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. I'm going to be uh, try to be as positive as possible. I'm, I've been accused of being too negative lately on the Twitters and, and different forums. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to be as optimistic uh, as possible, considering the, the current Clemson circumstances. So, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling great, though. I'll, to be honest with you, I'm not feeling great. And we're going to this show is as much about getting those feelings out, talking through it <laughs> as anything. Um, so I, let's hit on, right off the top. One of the reasons I think for our continued melancholy is the departure of not one, but two core building blocks of this program's success over the last decade, defensive coordinator, Brent Venables, and confirmed earlier this week, uh, Tony Elliott, lead, uh, lead offensive coordinator, uh, losing these two guys, QT obviously had an impact here on this recruiting class for the 2022 year. Uh, but just in general, like the, the feeling of Clemson fans, this potentially being, it certainly is the end of an era could be the the end of Clemson's perch you know, really among the top three to five programs in the country, uh, depending how it plays out. But um, any, any thoughts about how kind of the coaching departures played out and early thoughts about their replacement hires that we found out about the last couple of days. 
probably too many thoughts. Uh, so I'll try to keep this concise. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love Brent Venables, everything about uh, Brent Venables. And I think that his loss in particular is, uh, you know, a major loss that you can't just kind of minimize. Uh, he was Clemson's, I mean, obviously uh, the defensive coordinator, but he was also an underrated recruiter. He was one of the most energetic and kind of visible recruiters on the staff um, out of everyone. Um, and he also was one of the few people, and I think that this is a, a, an underrated thing about Brent Venables. He's one of the few people who could push Dabo uh, in that building to do things that, you know, Dabo may have been a little bit uncomfortable about. And, and he pushed always to have more defensive takes. And some of those pushes were really key contributors who ended up, you know, playing a large role in, uh, in Clemson's run. Um, and so, you know, I think you lose uh, a great defensive mind. You lose someone who's passionate, motivated, help push the culture at Clemson, help sustain the culture at Clemson, um, but also somebody who was a great recruiter and, and had a kind of a, like a culture of recruiting. And Venables was constantly recruiting. He was the one who was always there to kind of open up the building, right? When other coaches weren't there, would come back and open up the building and, and would try to uh, keep some fires burning, um, keep some uh, recruits stashed away and ready in case there was another spot opened up uh, that Dabo had, would, would allow Brent to take another defensive recruit. Right. And actually I think it was the last uh, recruiting day that Venable or that uh, the Dabo was joking about how Brent had, you know, didn't push for another defensive recruit. And that, oh, that was a big deal. Right. Mm. Uh, that's because, you know, that was one of the things that Venables really did. And I think that that helped the roster. So you lose somebody who's just, uh, demanded a lot of respect in the the locker room um, who uh, injected, you know, his, his passion for the game. And he was a part, a large part of building the culture. So yeah, I think Venables is a huge loss. Replacing him on the staff here at DC will be a combination of Mickey Kahn. I think folks are going to look, look at Mickey Kahn as a little bit more of like the CEO of the defense kind of the um, potentially could step in to play that role at least of, you know, monitoring the takes and um, has a relationship and a trust factor with Dabo, certainly from their long relationship together. Uh, we'll see if it's going to be one where he can challenge Dabo like BB did. Um, and then you have Wes Goodwin stepping in um, a name that I, I'll admit I had not heard too much of before the last couple of weeks. And when we saw a lot of uh, coordinated releases features on Wes Goodwin come out from Clemson media <laughs> um, people talking a lot about him as, you know, some of the brains behind Brent and in terms of at least scheme and, you know, blitz designs and, um, adjustments, that kind of thing coming in. So in a sense, you know, good that we'll have at least some semblance of defensive, you know, genius, so to speak, still on the team. Um, uh, but you're right. Like the, it'll be interesting to see how the balance between kind of the two co-DCs comes into play. Um, on the field, and then just all the things that Brent Venables contributed, recruiting, player development, just intensity and in that culture on the defense. Um, we've heard good things coming from at least Goodwin in terms of interviews that, that I've heard, but um, no question that's going to be a loss and really big shoes to fill. 
Um, anything about, I, I mean, I guess let me, let me go ahead and say one more good thing here. Um, Clemson is not Clemson was able to retain um, coach Todd Bates and um, coach Mike Reed as well. I think both of those were a coordinator or sorry, defensive assistants that a lot of Clemson fans were calling, you know, for them to get promoted to defensive coordinator if they kept it in house and both of those guys play big roles in recruiting. So to keep them on the staff, I think is, uh, I, I was pretty happy to see that from Dabo the last week or two. Yeah, I think that the, those were, you know, solid moves to keep a cohesion on the defensive staff. Um, I, I, you know, contrary to popular belief, I like I have no problem with uh, Goodwin joining the staff, the defensive staff and being elevated. Um, I agree that he's a good defensive mind and, and part of, you know, the production of the Brent Venables defense and uh you know he has a pretty long track record uh at different programs and at different places not just at clemson so i think those are all all positives the main question for him is is going to be you know recruiting right and whether or not he's gonna uh, be an asset and and because again it's like on the recruiting trail venables leaves a huge uh, you know, huge shoes to fill and, and that will need to be filled by somebody, right. Or, the, or we will take a step back um, in recruiting, whether that's Dabo taking a more visible role himself, right. And, and going out on the trail more um, and being more engaged um, all the way through the process, like that might happen. Uh, maybe Khan is able to take a more active role. Um, so I don't, I, you know, I, I think it was a bit of a tough position because you, you don't want to lose Goodwin to someone else, right? Like to Oklahoma, right? You didn't want him to leave with Brent Venables. You wanted to keep him around. Um, and, and yet, you know, I think uh, the elevation of Khan to the defensive coordinator leaves a lot of questions, just being the, the defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator um, without, you know, looking elsewhere, going outside like that. That's where I think they're, are questions not good when joining the staff right i think that's a solid move and that's an important move um and you should still see kind of the same aggressive defense uh that we've been used to seeing getting tackles for loss you know attacking um defense that that brent venables helped to to mold um and and a defense that's able to adjust like that so that that's going to be my like what i'm looking for the most, because I think one one of the things that Brent Venable's defense is known for uh, is being able to adjust like game to game, right, and and game plan around the strengths of of an offense. And you just didn't know what you were going to get every single week out of a Brent Venable's defense compared to a Clemson offense, which was like, oh, we're going to let the defense dictate to us what we're going to do, right? <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. And you didn't see yeah. a Brent Venable's defense get beat twice with the same tactics. You know, just shoring up vulnerabilities not letting any of that, you know, con continue to impact your team down the stretch. Yeah, def definitely. Um, so, yeah. So, I, you know, I do have questions about Khan as co-defensive coordinator and, and everybody should have questions about Khan as co-defensive coordinator because he never coordinated defense at the college football level ever. Right. So there, there are tons of unknowns um, that just honestly, you have to be like, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I can't say like, I can't condemn him, sit here and condemn him, uh, and be like, oh, he's going to be a bad hire. Like, I don't know, but you don't know he's going to be a good hire either. Right. Um, and you know, Dabo can sit there and say, you know, whatever he wants and he doesn't know either really. Um, 
because Khan has never performed this role. So, uh, you know, if if Goodwin takes care of the game planning and everything, I think the, the main question is going to be whether or not you can make in-game adjustments um, and, and call the plays the same kind of way that, that Venables was able to in kind of seamless fashion on game day. And we, we just won't know that until, you know, games start in the fall. So right. the, the, the other real question is just about recruiting and whether Khan can step up and elevate himself um, with recruiting. And definitely in this class so far, it's gotten off to a rocky start. Um, but, you know, I think Brent Venables was so involved with recruiting that that was going to happen no matter what. Uh, yeah, he did leave. I would say probably a little too, a little premature to pin any of that on the remaining assistants and coordinators that are still here. Like, right. And we'll get I into de- we will get into decommits and all that. And these guys may yet show some utility in, you know, filling up the class with remaining takes between now and February uh, and potentially in the portal. We'll have to see, but um, in any event, yeah, I think the defensive coaching turnover is probably going to have the most profound effect on Clemson's 2022 season in terms of just a new look for the team. Um, but also on the offensive side, Brandon Streeter now moves into the OC role, a uh, little, some other shuffling going on, um, some other assistants kind of being moved up to take over tight ends. I don't know if we've heard anything about Robbie Caldwell's status QT. I don't know if you, if you have an update on that, but uh, Tony Elliott's gone. I think, you know, we've talked a lot this season about um, the struggles the offense had to what extent um, was Tony Elliott kind of complicit in that versus offensive line, you know, lack of depth or youth happening injuries that took place. Um, You know, DJ having a little bit of a rocky start to the year after the Georgia game, like a lot of factors definitely don't think you can pin all of that on Tony Elliott. He did a tremendous job as a, as a coach on this team and also deserves credit. And I'll, I'll just say, I'm, I'm happy for these guys, Brent Venables and Tony Elliott. They landed in two pretty solid jobs that I think fit both of those guys really well. Um, I think the question is how much are we going to miss Tony Elliott and how do we feel about Dabo's process for replacing him as OC? So one thing I just want to throw out there real quick is uh, there's another Stafford loss on the defensive side, Miguel Chavis, that uh, I think is actually an underrated loss. He did a lot of behind the scenes work. He helped a lot with the camps at Clemson. Um, and that's why Venables brought him over because he, he's a great recruiter. Um, and so that's another recruiter on the defensive side that maybe a lot of people didn't know about uh, in a visible role, but he, he really worked hard and, and did a great job for Clemson. So that's going to be a loss too. Um, I think on the offensive side, uh, the hiring of Kyle Richardson, right. Um, and elevating him from a staff position. That's a great hire. A yeah. ton of respect. I have a ton of respect. For, for Kyle Richardson, um, he's going to have to, you know, really kind of be a great recruiter really quickly because um, I think, you know, the whole staff kind of needs that energy um, to be there. And uh, but but I think he, he's a great offensive mind and he did a great job at Northwestern and, and really has great roots in, in the state of South Carolina um, and, and will be an asset. I, I think that's a great hire. The same thing, you know, I like I think that Brandon Streeter had a rocky start, right? When he, um, for the one game and, and, you know, it's like, how much can we really put an emphasis on one game where, 
it, he came in and maybe it wasn't his whole game plan and and he had the call last play. minute the yeah Ohio you know Right. So, so, you know, but it wasn't great. Right. <laughs> sure. It wasn't great. And I didn't really like the in-game adjustments that, that did not happen um, in that game, but uh, he did a great job at Richmond. Um, and he was, you know, really highly thought of coming out of Richmond as the OC. And so he has coordinator experience. So that I think is a, a big thing. Um, you know, my question for Streeter and, and for Dabo is like, who's going to be developing the offense, right? Or like, how is the offense going to progress? Uh, Cause it needs to progress. It was 90th something, right. In most categories uh, at the bottom half of the college football, this past season, it needs to be revamped um, and revitalized in different ways. Um, and we saw towards the end of the season, that offensive line continuity helped out, you know, DJ was playing a little bit better. Um, that has to continue. Right. And so I'll be looking for just the, 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 the tweaks, you know, can we upgrade the route trees? Can we be a less uh, predictable offense um, moving forward? Can we use our, like, for example, just one thing I'll throw out there is um, in the very last game, we started using the two running back formation, right. And putting both of them on the field at the same time. That's a part of our playbook that's been there forever, but I have no idea why we waited until the last game. And I think they use it a little bit in Wake Forest. I'm not, I don't remember like why we waited to make that kind of adjustment until the end of the year. I mean, part of it was like, I guess Shipley wasn't healthy enough to run two running backs out there. But anyway, those kinds of things I want to see more of, right? Um, the ability to adjust uh, game to game, to scheme around the defense, to beat the defense with, with our scheme rather than just talent. Because as our talent decreases, we're going to need that. Um, so uh, how much is Dabo involved in the play calling? How much is he involved in the game planning? He's always been involved in it. And, and will a new offensive coordinator be able to have their own voice and have their own um, you know, imprint on the, the offense and help it to progress and develop rather than kind of going back doing a backslide towards what we saw last year, which looked more like the Spence uh, debacle than it did a kind of high octane, uh, you know, offense that we've grown accustomed to. So those, those are my questions there. I think Richardson's going to be an asset. Um, and I think uh, Streeter hopefully will be up to the challenge. And I don't know one way or the other, no one does neither, nor does anyone else. Right. Same kind of thing with the new defensive coordinator. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and uh, we're going to bring on another STS writer and guest um, for to do the Bulls preview. Uh, he goes by Total Football. That's his handle over at STS. He does a lot of the film breakdown. And he's been looking at street, some of Streeter's uh, you know, coordination at Richmond and actually at Liberty. Um, so looking mm -hmm. forward to getting a little bit more of a closer look at what to expect from Streeter, as well as Richardson. And um, you know, by a proxy of having those two guys uh, do passing game coordination and offensive coordination and play calling uh, asked him to also see what he could find out about what LSU was running in 2019 and how their their like two headed play calling duo. Obviously this 2022 Clemson team going to be somewhat less talented than that LSU team. Uh, but yeah, just how has this worked in the past for other teams? Um, you know, just familiarize ourselves with that a little bit. We'll look forward to that, that conversation. Um, but yeah, going back, I mean, I, we'll, we'll segue here. This is the early signing day preview show. Um, right. <laughs> want to, want to, uh, you know, help, help me help everybody understand a little bit more about what to expect from the freshmen coming in from this 2022 class. Uh, 
also keeping in mind 2023 is going to soon be on us and with significant amount of expected turnover also after next year i think it is natural for clemson fans thinking about just where is this program right now what does the immediate future look like i think it's also interesting to potentially look ahead to the, that future class because um, knowing this one was a 12-man class with a lot of open scholarships not yet claimed um, we may not fill up the roster and we may have issues moving forward so we'll be good to know how much the team's going to be able to restock the cupboard sounds good sounds good um so we want to jump into uh in into 2022 here uh I, I mean i am actually writing for you know for the first time in a while um a, an article that'll kind of like outline what i think needs to happen kind of moving forward to help write the ship uh particularly in relation to roster management which as you all know is the dead horse i've been beating for uh, about five to seven years now. Um, and it all came to fruition, right? Um, so, you know, first I think we need to plan for attrition, right? Uh, we're still about, I mean, my numbers say, so we, we signed 12 uh, players today. I, I think we're still probably about nine um, and we could easily sign 10 players. Um, in this class and still be fine with numbers. Um, if you strip away some of the, you know, the uh, walk-ons and things like you don't give one to Drew Sweeney or something like that, um, right. we could, you know, give nine scholarships out. Um, so there's a lot of room to either fill with roster and with portal. And, and what I want to emphasize to Clemson fans right now is I, you know, I know I talk about this a lot, but you have to have as full a roster as possible, right? You have to get to that 80 number, particularly in the portal era, because you don't know when you're going to lose somebody, right? So even if you signed an absolutely full class right now, I think you could expect to lose maybe, you know, two to three players, either to injury or to the portal by the time fall camp closes, right? So, so 85 spots, it looks like with 12 recruits. Oh, yeah, I said 80, didn't I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 85. Of course, 85. Yes. Oh, so, dude. you know, and I guess this is a question I have is, let's say Clemson could pick up another four to five signees as freshmen between now and February. That would leave five scholarships. And when you say, like, it's important to have a full roster, I think what you likely mean by that is a full roster of Division One, FBS caliber, Power Five, elite top 10 program caliber athletes coming in like there's no shortage of guys that want to come and play for Clemson that are three-star four-star five-star right and I know there there's the culture fit aspect there's playing to the style that the team likes to play but I think when we say 85 guys like for the most part that does mean you know that that caliber of athlete uh, certainly Dabo's built the program culturally around leaving one to two to three scholarships a year for the walk-ons all for that particularly when um, you know, they've earned that spot over time at the school, but, um, I think leaving, you know, looking ahead, we have 10 spots, um, already, I think some of us are accounting for some of those scholarships to go to guys that might fit that walk-on designation. So I just, if it leaves like four to five to six guys after you do your February signings, is that really a, an expectation we could have in portal takes like, yeah. So, that, I mean, uh, Coach Sweeney likes to give his long slap snapper a scholarship and he likes to reward, you know, uh, special teams players with, with scholarships. So, you know, the, you have to bake that in as well, but yeah, I mean, 
all teams in college football try to get to the 85 number as close to it as possible. And, and actually, you know, this is a great thing, right? Because in the portal era, you're definitely going to lose scholarships. So you, I mean, uh, I think the solid strategy is you get to 85, you'll absolutely lose a few of those. And then you get to hand those to the walk-ons and that's great, right? And, you know, everybody talks about Hunter Renfro and, uh, you know, he's a great story, but he's the exception to the rule, right? He's, he's the ultimate exception to the rule. He also was a great, college or a high school football player by the way um and he earned his right to get his scholarship not immediately but he earned it in the on the practice field um and he was rewarded with it and he uh he did great um but you know he he wasn't like Renfro was was a pretty dang good prospect and could have gone to a lot of different places but he chose to walk on to Clemson so it's a little bit different scenario than some of these others but um anyway I mean neither here nor there but yeah, you got to get as close to 85 as possible. And and you have to do that in either carrying a bigger recruiting kind of uh map, call right? It, call or, it a freshman class, right? Like a yeah, freshman yeah, I mean, class. And like this year we could have signed easily 25 players and not even blinked. Um mm-hmm. and and this whole one in one out method doesn't really equate in the portal era. So you have to you have to carry a larger roster of potential uh, recruits and you have to sign bigger classes because you're inevitably going to lose those uh, those players to the portal. But you know the the portal can be a good thing in some ways because it helps to thin out the roster rather than carrying dead weight, right? Um, you know, a, a player like uh, Lay, for example, he wasn't going to see the field at Clemson, so he he left. So that opens up a spot. Like that's a great opportunity, right? Because we weren't going to cut him or force him to leave like other schools, but he left of his own volition. So, okay, we can replace him. Like that can be a healthy thing for the roster, but you have to recruit larger numbers and you have to entertain the portal. Um, And I'm not talking about like building the whole entire roster from the portal. I'm talking about strategically uh, improving your current talent, strategically looking at position groups and adding something like four to five players a year. And, right, and, and filling, filling think... a gap, filling a gap on the depth chart at a position of need where you may have had those transfers that you didn't expect or NFL departures you didn't expect. And I mean, the, the question there also is like, do we, when the team finally does start to take transfers, do we see it targeting a, a profile more like freshmen and sophomores who can come to Clemson, get their degree here? Or is it, look, we just got to bridge the 2022, 2023 gap by the time we get to the 2024 class, like hopefully the numbers will look better across the roster and um, you won't have as much of a glut from like the COVID year and super seniors still around and all that. Like it, we just got to get through the next two years. So yeah, let's, let's take a couple seniors, plug some holes. Uh, I could see the philosophy going either way with that, just with Dabo's deference to the importance of an education. Um, mm-hmm. But in my mind, it's like, we got these holes to fill would love to do that with some guys that have been through, you know, a D one programs, uh, strength training, you know, uh, procedures and have seen playing time on the field and that kind of thing. Like I, I welcome that experience if we can find the right culture fits. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a cutthroat kind of, uh, armchair coach. And so, uh, <laughs> anywhere that I see a a talent upgrade. I mean, that's, this is what Alabama and what Georgia do, right? They, they saw, uh, DK, they saw Darian Kendrick, uh, and they went and grabbed him. Right. Um, Alabama saw, they have one of the 
deepest rosters of wide receivers in the country, probably number two to Ohio State. They saw uh, Williams sitting there and they said, well, this guy is better and can help us win and improve uh, our talent on the roster. We're going to go and grab him. Right. And there's countless examples of of that across the country. Um, And so, you know, the Clemson fans are still kind of uh, because Clemson fans are still anti-portal. And I, I understand because Dabo has been anti-portal and he makes very persuasive arguments against the portal. And I'm not advocating for the portal in any way. Like, I'm not saying this is a great thing for college football. All I'm saying is it is the reality of college football and it's not going away. And if you don't participate in it, and, and again, Clemson is the only school in the entire country the only school in major power five football, the only school in the ACC, like the only school that refuses to use the portal at all. Right. And so, um, you know, Dabo has tried to make this a kind of like recruiting pitch and a differentiating factor, like, Oh, you know, come to Clemson because we won't go to the portal and we won't replace you. But recruits do not resonate with that. They, they don't, uh, I don't think in, in, in large part, really care about that as a recruiting pitch. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that might work in certain scenarios and in certain cases where you're like, oh, we're not going to out-recruit you anyway. We're going to cultivate you. And, and, and it works in, in some ways. But the reality is, is if you're losing players left and right, right, if you're um, having the portal impact your roster and you're not replacing them with either a whole bunch of more recruits or uh, with because, you know, you're super selective and you only throw out a few uh, scholarships here and there and you don't recruit the portal. Um, that isn't a sustainable model for the future. And, and that leaves you constantly with injury problems and depth problems and being a young roster. And so, like, I don't think in the portal era, era you will be able to compete consistently in the way that Dabo has built the program with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, I think you can still compete in the ACC, but I don't think you can compete for national championships without at least bringing in three to five really solid talents to help solidify that roster. And so that that's where I think if Dabo were to do that, nobody would blink an eye. Like it would not impact Clemson's recruiting at all. Like no one would be like, oh, look at Dabo over here with the portal. I'm no longer going to come to Clemson. So I think there's a small window here. We're kind of... Uh, sitting on the precipice a little bit of, about where our trajectory as a program right now. And one of the major things is whether or not we choose to embrace the portal and bring in top talents. So yeah, in, in my mind, it's just like, where is the talent that's needed on the roster? And I would bring in someone on O-line. I would bring in somebody at wide receiver and maybe, uh, you know, in the secondary possibly, and definitely on the defensive line. And, and then I call it a day, right? Just go and get the best talent there, bring them in and uh and cultivate that culture at clemson end rant end rant well okay we've addressed the gaps we've addressed the needs on the team we've addressed the coaching turnover let's get into the guys that are coming to be tigers yes and being positive right i'm, I'm supposed to be positive no we're we are excited about this class it's the second dandy dozen coming in and we know that number is going to grow so uh, but it's the signing day dandy dozen 2.0 uh I think we got to start here, QT, with the most celebrated guy coming in in this class, quarterback Cape Klubnik, number one ranked recruit at the quarterback position. Depending on if you assume Queen Ewers, you know, is part of this class or not, um, we don't have to get into that that saga with Ohio State and Texas. But 
Uh, real excited about Cade. Dude is a winner. Uh, Dabo's compared him to Sean Watson with a little bit more, more acceleration and speed. Uh, they're, they have a similar height profile. Uh, tell us like one or two things about Cade that, that maybe we don't know about yet. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I love Dabo's comparisons because it's like every player has like an NFL. <laughs> yeah. I think people are finally right. catching on that Dabo's never met a recruit. He ha- hasn't been able to project as like a, you know, I, it wasn't Tyson Pumachan, like Russell Wilson or something like that. Um, so anyway, um, it, which is great. Cause you know, he, he, that's his job is to, uh, you know, celebrate uh, these players and they should be celebrated. So I have, I have been a big Cade supporter from the beginning and I'm just going to like, you know, uh, throw this one out here. Right. I said that we should offer Cade before he got offered. I, I thought he was a better quarterback prospect than, uh, than Simpson who turned Clemson down and the coaches wanted Simpson and then came back to Cade uh, and offered Cade after Simpson went to Alabama. And I think that was a, just a blessing. That was a gift because to me, Cade was the best, uh, quarterback in the state of Texas. And, and I, I think that, uh, that the Ohio state, uh, now Texas commit, um, is, is overrated. And I think that Cade is the better fit, um, in terms of his mobility for what Clemson has wanted to do with their quarterbacks. And, uh, he's a great runner. He's really intelligent. Uh, and he has, you know, that grit, right. Clemson grit that we kind of talk about uh, with the basketball program and, and the football, uh, the soccer program now. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I like, I think that he is a legit five-star uh, player and he is the most important player on this, in this class by far. Um, the quarterback position right now has two players, right? And Hunter Helms, which, you know, I'll, I'll respect to Hunter Helms, but, you know, you, you don't want him playing against Notre Dame, right? Like you, you need either DJ or Cade uh, doing that. And I think that next year, at some point, Cade will likely play, um, whether that's in a platoon role or whether he wins it outright, or I, I don't know. And we'll see what happens with DJ um, in the offseason. And hopefully he can get a little bit healthier and, and work on his mechanics and get his kind of confidence back. Um, cause he still has a cannon of an arm and he still has a ton of talent as well, uh, that needs to make its way onto the field, uh, and, and be utilized. But yeah, so there's nothing but great things about Cade. And I think Dabo is right that he is, uh, he will be able to use his legs in the same way that Deshaun Watson, that escapability. Um, but I think what's underrated is that he's come from a really great system at Westlake. So he understands how to read defenses and he understands how to, uh, where to go with the ball and how to read defenses and go through his progression. So that's something that I think is at an advanced level that we haven't had at Clemson uh, for Well, I shouldn't say that because I think DJ actually came from a great program and was able to read defenses there. So I don't know what, what, how he regressed so much, but anyway. Um, yeah. Hopefully not his quarterback to, coach. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm supposed to be positive, right? Uh, no, all good. So, well, what I was going to say yeah, is like, hey. hopefully that, that, that high level IQ, if he is thrust into a role where he needs to start a game or, you know, maybe even take over the, the role for the season, hopefully that prepares him well. And he's played under the spotlight in Texas. Um, definitely played some big games down there. They're, they're a large program uh, that, you know, I don't know that he's like, and I should remind everyone, everyone's like, oh, 
he's probably not going to be able to start the way TL did and the way Deshaun did as freshman. Neither of those guys started the season as the QB one starter. They yeah, all, they both true. They they did not, and you could almost argue as well. I mean, obviously everyone remembers that Deshaun Watson throw to Sharon Peak, but you know neither of those guys were ultra polished coming out their first first game or first appearance. So um, let's see yeah, what the kids Trevor, got. Yeah, Trevor got knocked out of the Syracuse game when he was the starter. Remember? Well, that was right after Kelly announced he had transferred. But, exactly. Uh, and and I right. still maintain if Bryant had stayed, he would have been made the starter the next week and he would have stayed the starter probably through the entire season. Because uh, I don't, I, you know. I and just then we don't, don't beat Bama. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what an interesting, that was such an interesting season. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I agree. Um, I think that Cade will probably see the field at the beginning, but is talented enough to be able to take over and he knows, sorry, excuse me. He knows how to run the RPO um, really well. And, and that is going to be a strength, his ability to run the RPO, his ability to read defenses through the RPO. Um, and it's something that can come in and be a, a change up. Cause even this season, Pumachan with, you know, a torn Achilles or a healing Achilles was came in and was running RPO. It was like, wait, what? Um, mm-hmm. So I think Cade will be able to do that effectively. Uh, as part of the arsenal, even if DJ is the quarterback. Yeah. And that's where you might get to see some platoon action where he just gives you that change of pace. Um, hopefully not anything like we saw with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm, but um, yeah, we'll have to see. So uh, I'm going to keep us moving here, QT within the offense, yes. keep it on that side of the ball. So uh, something that we've, we've asked for, for a while, look, Clemson was at one time, the undisputable, Indisputed, uh, undisputed, uh, WRU. And last year, a bit of a lighter class, we brought in Troy Salato uh, to be able to play the slot position. Um, really also saw um, a little, and obviously the, the, I like to call them the Collins twins and Will Taylor as well. So pretty good freshman class this last year. Saw a lot of those guys contribute on the field uh, in, in ways that some of the upperclassmen who Clemson made, may think at this point we didn't hit on in those classes prior with the likes of Ladson. I know and God has been hurt. Um, EJ Williams dinged up a little bit this year too. I think wide receiver depth and bringing more talent in and continuing to bolster that, that part of the roster, super critical for this class. Uh, Clemson missed on some of its top targets at the receiver position and has able been able to, I think, recover a little bit in recruiting here with the likes of Antonio Williams in-state signee, as well as Adam Randall. And just want to get your take on sort of how you feel about these guys ultimately coming in and um, how that, how that feels relative to what we, what we once thought this class could be at the receiver position. Absolutely. So two, you know, South Carolina natives coming and joining. Um, Yeah. I mean, just thinking about the wide receiver room as a whole, Spectre needs to get healthy. Um, And Gata has to show that he can stay on the field and still stay healthy. He hasn't done that an entire season. EJ Williams has been banged up both of his years uh, at at Clemson. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, Will Taylor was, of course, injured this year. Hopefully he is going to be a slot receiver and not sitting in the QB room. I I hope that that transition happens next year. I actually Um, read a post today, QT, that that is official. He's going to be full-time receiver, not, not dual role or hybrid or anything like that. And that just makes so much sense, right? Like you got, you have to put that kind of athleticism 
on the field. Um, and, you know, he was a part of the offensive game plan um, before he got injured. And that, I, you know, I think that that took away some of the uh, trick plays and some of the, the juice that uh, Davo had prepared uh, when Will Taylor got, got injured. Um, you know, I, I thought Dakari Collins did a great job blocking towards the end of the season. And you saw, you know, there were growing pains with both of them, but it was good to get them on the field and start to, you know, see what they could do um, as, uh, as wide receivers. Uh, sorry about that. Um, All good. So I, I was a huge <laughs> uh, Antonio Williams fan and I've been advocating for a long time that he should have an offer regardless of what happened with Andre uh, Green, who went to UNC, a big recruiting loss, right? We, we had two of those uh, with uh, losing, you know, the, the defensive lineman of, of the class, the D tackle to, uh, to North UNC, and also losing a five star. So there's two five stars that we lost to UNC this recruiting cycle that that re- really can't happen um, going forward. Um, so, you know, Antonio Williams, I think, is a a great prospect who can do a lot of things uh, for Clemson. He could, you know, be a a slot receiver as well as lining up on the outside occasionally. Um, And he could be a two receiver. He's not a a burner per se, but um, he runs really great routes. He gets open. He has strong hands, goes up and catches the ball. Um, I kind of see him as a Cornell Powell, but like the Cornell Powell, I thought we were going to get out of the box. Um, The Cornell Powell that emerged finally for me at the end of uh, his career. I think that that's a good kind of profile. He's not super tall, um, but, you know, he's tall enough uh, that he could play on the outside if needed. Um, And uh, a lot of upside there. And Adam Randall is like very strong um, and, and built. um, And, you know, both of those players, I think, or we'll have the opportunity to, to contribute early next year. Um, and, you know, we saw this year that, you know, a few guys get injured and we were down to, you know, not only walk-ons, but like walk-on walk-ons. Right. Um, so there's a lot of room in that, that wide receiver uh, room. I would go to the portal and grab, you know, the top talent you can get and, uh, and add them to the mix. Uh, I don't think that that would be a, a negative thing. For the room, and I'm looking for Stellato to uh, to emerge and and to give you a lot more next year. Do you think, in terms of remaining need, but as you look at that room, is it a big big bodied boundary guy, or are you thinking like a speed guy at the field position? Seems like we've we've covered the the slot. Uh, if we have Stellato Taylor, um, depends where they actually stick. Um, you know, Collins and or Williams and Randall, but. What do you think is like the the glaring need that just from like a type of receiver? Well, I mean, Green is who they profiled. It was, you know, a, a outside deep ball, you know, highlight real catch kind of person, right? Um, and so I do think that there's a need just because you don't know if Ngata stays on the field. He's supposed to be the big body, right, outside guy who can win 50-50 balls. But as I was watching, uh, you know, five years of, or seven years, sorry, of, uh, of defeats of South Carolina, um, it was obvious that, man, you know, Mike Williams is such a beast, right? Like, can we go out and find another Mike Williams? Um, yeah. Who can go out and make those circus catches? Um, can we find another, uh, you know, t- 
top wide receiver U talent that we've been just missing in these past few few seasons that would really be a blanket, right, for DJ or for Cade and help them out. Um, I, I think that those guys exist uh, in the portal, not in spades. You're going to have to win some of those recruiting battles in the portal. But, yeah, I would bring in somebody on the outside. I, like, it depends on Spectre's health, right, if you want to bring in another slot person. But, I, you know, I would not be opposed to just, like, pure speed. We targeted yeah. Brendan Thompson, who went to uh, Texas, um, lost out on that recruitment too. Um, so I think that, you know, tall person and a speed person are both profiles that the coaching staff had uh, wanted in more of in the recruiting room or in the, the wide receiver room, sorry. Cool. We'll touch on one last recruit here in the passing game. Uh, Josh Sapp, he's a legacy uh, son of Patrick Sapp, former, he played a couple of positions at Clemson, right? Um, played in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but tight end Josh Sapp coming in from Greenville. Um, I think he fits the culture cu- culture profile of the program, QT. Um, probably not going to – I mean, we'll have to see, but uh, we really liked what we saw from Jake Brinningstool from this last year's class. Really see him stepping up and contributing a lot more. We'll have to see how much Josh Sapp, you know, gets into the – gets into the uh, – into the offense. Might be a red shirt candidate, but um, any thoughts on Josh's game? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I think the tight end room is is very healthy with Alan Innes and, and Burning Sewell. Um, and yeah, and, and Jake, I think, showed you what he's capable of. He's, he's a stronger blocker than anyone was giving credit for at the beginning of the season and has great hands and, and uh, will be an asset. And I will refrain from talking about my love of uh, Brock Bowers as a recruit and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I got called out on Twitter like, oh, you didn't, you, you never said you like Brock. Bar-. I was like, what? I don't, yeah, I, I, you got I the receipts. People, oh man. Anyway, um, I think there's a recruit that I, yeah, I'll just stop. Uh, Sap, I, you know, I, there isn't the uh, high end kind of talent that you see from other uh, tight end uh, recruits. Right. And, and even like in this class, like Jake Johnson is someone who, um, was the the top tight end who went to LSU who decommitted and, and you know he was somebody that Clemson was interested in and tried to target and we missed on Delp as well um, stuck with that recruitment all the way to the end who went to UGA those were the you know those those uh, players profile right as the the kind of all around players that um, that you want uh, at the tight end position that catch and, and block and everything and but I think Sap fits the mold of a serviceable person who in probably two seasons is able to contribute at least at, at blocking and, and he can catch um, he, he's shown that he can catch uh, in high school. Uh, so, so there's talent there and, you know, and, and tight end is always kind of this position that, that isn't as um, projectable as other positions, right? Like you can get a guy who comes in and just works really hard and, and is a better blocker um, and, and has, uh, a better college football playing career than maybe his, his talent level. Right. Um, he's not an NFL talent level, uh, tight end, but in college football, he, he performs his role and, and is really valuable. So I, that's where I would kind of slate Josh Sapp right now. That makes sense. Um, and just to round out the offense as well, Clemson added two offensive linemen, Blake Miller from Northeast Ohio and Colin Sadler, I think Colin's also from Greenville. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
true freshman offensive lineman coming through. Um, offensive line, to be honest, QT, I mean, we could have a whole show talking about <laughs> roster management of this position and injuries this last year and what we expect on the depth chart this coming year. I'm pretty optimistic about this taking a step forward this year and DJ playing behind a much more cohesive line with experience. You've got Jordan McFadden coming back. Hopefully, you know, everyone's playing in the position that they're, they're meant to play in. Um, we'll see what happens with the coaching staff as well. But um, I view these two guys as just adding more depth to the offensive line room and helping Clemson to keep close to a 15 man sized room. Uh, but don't, don't know. I mean, you tell me, do we think either of these guys are going to be good enough to, you know, eclipse any of the others on the roster and get any playing time this year? Uh, immediately, you, you don't want that to happen, I don't think. Um, I think at the end of the season, you saw that the interior position of the line, like it improved and we played better on the interior in those last two games and that helped the offense tremendously. And it was a little bit of addition by subtraction there, and we don't need to go into any of that. But um, yeah. Trotter coming back and kind of solidifying things, I think, was a big part of that. Um, and Rayburn stepped up and, and, and played pretty good. Um, so you have McFadden and Parks as these kind of uh, snap hogs. I mean, they played almost the entire game, every single game. So you'd like to be able to get them a little bit more depth. You have Pennington coming in who would have played a ton. I mean, he yeah. was ready to really play a lot, and he was a huge loss. So if he can come back from injury, if uh, if Lay can provide some depth at tackle and Mays can take another step, and you don't lose anybody to the portal, you know, um, that's another mm -hmm. factor here. It's like you, you lose another player to the portal. I, I mean, I don't anticipate it in O-line, um, but that sets you back. So, I mean, really what we're talking about is like whether it's okay to bring in two players at O-line any year. And whether or not that leads to healthy, stable development at, at O-line. And, and to me, three should be the minimum. And I think they, that the coaching staff should have taken another offensive lineman. I hope they'll explore taking another offensive lineman um, in, uh, in the class, recruiting class. But I don't really see anybody out there now um, who would be an upgrade in talent. And you don't want just another body at, uh, at offensive line. So I really hope we go to the portal and try to recruit a few Virginia uh, offensive linemen, Transfers. particularly or Remington um, Award finalist, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, that's, yeah, that's a guy that, that. That's a guy that then you know you have Mason Trotter back him up. You got Linthicum learning from a guy that is a Remington Award winner uh, for his next three years of eligibility that he's got left um, after this season. Like, I think that would. That would be amazing. And yeah, then you've I, got I, like serviceable depth, you know, that would elevate like, so, so that's why I want Thompson fans to just like, understand, like you're bringing in like a five-star, a six-star player, right? You're like, you're, you're elevating Beyond the higher level, to be honest, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and, and somebody who's proven, right. That they can play at a high level, uh, like you said, and, and that uh, can make all the world of difference. Uh, for an offense, if if you have like just a, a road grader at center who's a great pass and run blocker, can do all of it, can is very intelligent. Um, not to say that Trot, like, then you move Trotter to the guard position where he's very serviceable and would do really well in combination with the center. Like, wow, that makes your offensive line go from this like slightly above average to maybe 
elite, right? And maybe you can run behind that offensive line all year and pound people in your running attack. So anyway, I like, I, I would put all of my energy right now into making sure that happened. <laughs> uh, and, and to my Clemson booster friends who can hear the sound of my voice, like it's legal now. Utah, uh, Texas has shown like one model that they can, that they, you can pull off and being able to attract, um, you know, through the, through NIL and nobody likes it. Right. And it's horrible for college football. We can all agree on that, but it's also the reality of what it is right now. And Clemson is losing that game. Let me just throw that out there. Like Clemson is losing that game right now and we yeah. need to up, up our ability anyway. So uh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, Blake Miller is a, uh, is actually a lot better than I think his recruiting ranking right now. I think he's, he's uh, he's developed a lot better. Um, and he's the one who I would uh, peg as possibly being somebody who could, work his way into the, uh, the too deep. Um, and then, you know, I think Sadler has a, has a bright future. He's, he needs a little bit more development and refining, but he'll be able to contribute, I think in a couple of years. Yeah. I think and I hear need, you on. He'll oh, need ahead. to as well. Sorry. He'll need to, because there's only two of them. Right. Yeah. And as time moves on, we're going to lose McFadden and Putnam this year. I think the, the juniors will stick around. I don't, you know, again, transfer portal is always there, but don't see those guys going to the league, uh, but you do, you do want to just stay ahead of the numbers. And let's say Clemson does bring in a, an upperclassman from the transfer portal. That's going to be great for this coming season, but they're also going to be out the door soon enough. So I think taking a third freshman here in this class would be something that you could continue to manage your numbers, that position for injury purposes, for unexpected departures, for all that attrition. And to be honest, like the hit rate on offensive linemen is not, so high that, you know, talent evaluation can, can work out with just taking two guys. That's um, really something you want to see them add another body there, this class. And, and I would just add the nice thing about the portal is you can go back to the portal next year. You could bring in another upper, like there's nothing keeping you from continuing to try to, you know, go that route as well to fill in any gaps that, that come out when you missed on your recruits that come through and don't pan out. And okay, we'll slot in another, uh, and, and that doesn't mean that like you take a ton of players with the portal, it just selectively, right. And, and use it to your advantage anyway. All right. Moving on to the defense, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Keep it moving. So, um, who is your favorite defensive line take in this class QT? Well, there's so many to pick from. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's depressing, man. Uh, I, the, uh, I, I wish that there was someone I could select right now, but there are zero defensive line takes and it's kind of not good for Clemson program, uh, particularly one that just, you know, had a bunch of first round defensive linemen uh, a couple years ago. So yeah, nobody, nobody, anybody you want to talk about? It's tough. Uh, and I, I think, we talk about Dabo talks about wanting to take some more guys between now and the February signing day. You tell me like, is anybody, I mean, we need to sign someone, but is it really going to be someone of the caliber of defensive linemen that, you know, we've come to expect at Clemson? Probably not. No, nope. this isn't, this is another potential transfer portal situation. I think this is where I would look to grab somebody that was recruited for the 2021 class when you weren't taking college visits, campus visits, you're recruited over zoom. Um, they probably didn't see your player last year of high school. You just had the wrong fit. 
were we recruiting any of these guys out there potentially at the time? So we may, we may have culture questions already answered. Like this is where I'd like to take through the transfer portal, someone that you're going to bring into the team to be part of the program long-term. Um, but that's just, that's just hopes and dreams at this point. So it's yeah. a tough situation. I don't know of anybody that uh, fits that missed. profile. Yeah. yeah the, 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 the Clemson coaches have seriously considered so far. Um, and, you know, it's not that there haven't been uh, programs who have lost, you know, defensive talent, uh, defensive line talent, but yeah, we are behind the eight ball. I mean, we, we rode a few of these defensive line recruits. We obviously lost Campbell um, to Alabama and that hurt. Um, but we, you know, we got beat for a lot of different um, defensive linemen throughout this, this cycle. It was not a good cycle in terms of kind of culture fit, I think, uh, for some of these players, but Alabama and uh, Georgia and UNC were able to beat us for the guys that we wanted. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think we, if we were to bring in uh, bodies that, that they would be a little bit of project kind of stretch people or players at this point, um, there's a few that I think we could, we could get. Um, but I think you're looking at a more three, four defense uh, moving, moving forward in the near future here, just because there isn't a lot of, of, of depth. So I, you know, I, I turn the page to trying to keep KJ Henry. Cause I don't think Xavier Thomas is staying at all. Um, despite what Davo said in the press conference today, that was kind of weird. It's like, no, I'm pretty sure XT is going to be a, uh, moving on to the league and trying to be a YouTuber, you know, playing video games, uh, professionally. Um, so, and he's good, um, by the way. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, so there's a huge need at defensive end and you always need to keep bodies stacked at defensive tackle, particularly when you only took one defensive tackle last year. Um, I would add, and only two defensive ends last year, uh, which is fine, but, um, the, the numbers at defensive end and a defensive tackle, Defensive tackle are fine right now, but, you know, you, you lose players next year like Miles Murphy and Brzee to the uh, NFL and maybe even Rook, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. it gets it gets thin real fast. That is not a good situation. Right. And this is this is where when I earlier I was talking about 2023, I think the talent on this team overall for 2022, it's going to be threadbare in some some position groups where you can't really afford the type of injuries we saw this season and continue mm-hmm. to expect the same type of results. But still high-level talent at the top of the roster, still feel pretty good about the 2022 class, um, even with a light, light freshman class coming in. But for 2023, you know, if you just if you assume some of these guys are going to move on, I think you're looking at a situation where you've got pretty much four defensive ends and four defensive tackles on your team. Basically you're staffing up a two deep and that's it. And no depth behind them. No. Um, and it, any of these guys could also transfer this year too, or right, yeah. the, the following season. So um, if it's not this class, which we're pretty much sure it will not be, we've got the rest of this signing class. We've got the transfer portal in this off season. We have next year's recruiting class. And then we have the transfer portal next off season. Uh, that's four opportunities, four cracks at staffing up that defensive line. If if we don't do that, this could be a real big Achilles heel for this defense and this football team. Uh, not this next season, but two seasons. 
Yeah, I, th- I think we're fine for for next season. But yeah, like like you said, you don't know who might transfer off of the current roster, right? Um, and who might be, uh, you know, that's injury or portal, right? Um, and so the numbers there that thin uh, are are scary. But it also, you know, uh, if we use the portal, I wouldn't be as concerned because it'd be like, yeah, you know, we'll find top talent that wants to come to Clemson. Uh, you know, wants to play season opportunity for playing time, right? Florida State last year got a player that became the ACC defensive player of the year, right? And and actually yeah. his play, Johnson's play, uh, Jermaine Johnson, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. saying that correct? No, that's uh, it. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, was at UGA and uh, was a decent player at UGA, but didn't stand out. And then goes to Florida State. Um, not a locker room cancer. He actually helped to fortify that defense and elevate the play of everybody around him um, and really made Florida State's defense, you know, competent for the first time in a really long time. Um, and that's all about because of the portal and one player, right? So, you know, there is talent out there to get and there is talent uh, that the portal can provide an opportunity to upgrade. So I'm not as concerned if we use the portal, but if we're not using the portal, then this is a disaster. And yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, no defensive class, no recruiting class should ever go with zero defensive linemen. So they're going to have to find some uh, talent out there to fill in the recruiting gaps, Um, even if it's just one defensive tackle or one defensive end um, that has to happen. Uh, And I think there's a few guys that that they'll be able to to attract. Um, But, yeah, it's I mean, it, it you know, you go from signing the two top 10, if not top five defensive linemen in a class to striking out on everyone uh, and then getting, you know, your, your player stolen at the last minute um, by Alabama that, you know, that's things. So uh, not great there, but. And the most, the most Pollyanna Clemson fans are going to hope that we can have like a Christian Wilkins or Dax or Cleve Furl. Um, And Cleve didn't play that much as a freshman, but you know, even Austin Bryant played as a freshman. Like you could, you could, you could sign those players in 2023 because Dabo can sell and Mickey Khan can sell. Look, we need you. You're going to start, you're going to play from day one. Like that's a pretty compelling recruiting pitch to come to Clemson and play D line as a freshman and contribute. Um, Maybe they can get a higher profile type of guy to be able to do that. I just think it's playing with fire and just numbers matter. So this is something to watch. Yeah, in the 2023 class, um, I you know, there aren't great kind of cultural fits um, walking through that door. And in fact, I, like I would say, some of the top people are going to go to Brent Venables before they come to Clemson. So um, that's something to watch too. Is the you know Venables as a recruiter is going to become a powerhouse? Yeah, he didn't come Taps. after our guys this year. Yeah, <laughs> he's coming for him next year. That's for sure. Like Overton or, you know, uh, some of these other defensive linemen that um, I think. Yeah. And and that's where I'm sorry, like NIL is going to play a big part of the 2023 recruiting class. So if you aren't playing that game either, if you're not playing the portal game and you're not playing the NIL game. uh, Yeah. uh, I don't know who you're going to get. That's like a top elite level talent right now. Um, And uh, that so that. That's tough. Not great. So anyway, sorry, that wasn't no, as no. positive as we were supposed to be having. So <laughs> on, to, a... on to linebackers then, right? 
Yeah, for sure. So uh, we had two targeted. We got a signature today from one of them. Wade, how, how do you pronounce his name? Wudaz? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wade yeah. Wudaz, he's coming. And then Jaron Kanak, who's from Kansas, probably a Venables guy, uh, didn't sign today. Are we, yeah. are we out? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't project uh, him coming to the Clemson class when all said and done. No. So, uh, and I, you know, I would not have foreseen at the beginning of this uh, recruiting class having Wade in the class, you know, and so I, you know, I think he can be a solid player and I, you know, I'm uh, refrained from, harsh judgment on the day in which he has signed with Clemson. And it's very good that we were able to land him, but he wouldn't have been, you know, on my top 10 list of linebackers that I would have um, wanted uh, initially. So uh, I think, yeah, especially not signing connect, then you, you don't have this amazing speed that you were hoping to get um, somebody who could play outside linebacker or maybe grow into being an interior player, but still have a good amount of speed. Uh, you know, he's an unproven commodity too, just playing at a lower level of uh, high school football. And so he would have had an adjustment period, but the guy could fly. Um, yeah. And, and that probably, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not happening at Clemson. So, and I think, I think, look, you're going to lose Brent Venables. You're going to lose no one else even came close to coaching linebackers. Um, right. Right. Some type of attrition here is probably to be expected. And I always, I mean, I, I think we've, we've had a really solid previous two years at bringing in good talent uh, at the linebacker position, pretty happy yes. with, with what we got in obviously Simpson, but also Levante Bentley and later on Barrett Carter and Jeremiah Trotter, like that room, I feel really good about that room. I, I think no matter what losing Venables, we we're going to have a tough freshman class here. Um, so yeah, see what they can do, I guess from now till February, I don't know that it was like critical to hit on a linebacker in this class. Maybe that's something that they can double down and focus next year with a much larger room to, or, you know, room to fill. Um, and again, like we sound like a broken record, but linebacker finding the right culture fit, potentially look at the portal for that. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, you're absolutely right. Like Trotter, Carter, Simpson, Keeping all three of those and keeping Makuba, um, and I, you know, I tweeted about that too, and everybody, it's like not all the the those players that I just named right there were completely solid, right? When Brent Venables left, and so keeping them, that that is your main, I think, recruiting focus for the linebacker room right now, because Trotter is uh, an all star in the making. Simpson is already an all star. Uh, Carter has a elite. I think ceiling and gives you a bunch of scheme versatility. And if uh, you go with a more three, four approach, then you can put uh, Simpson in kind of a, you know, more aggressive pass rushing position and position, and you can have Trotter be your middle linebacker and Carter being more of a outside linebacker. The will. Yeah. yeah. Well, playing will and, and also playing in coverage a little bit too. Um, which just, just gives you more versatility there along with Simpson playing some more coverage and rushing the passer. And I think that's a great combination right there. Um, and, and then you rotate Bentley in maybe at will um, and you get Carter on the field in different ways too, uh, as a possibility. So that that's great. Right. And that yeah. nucleus can, will be there for another few years. So I'm not too concerned about linebacker right now. 
Um, but you know, I, I think Wade gives you some interesting upside as a, a smaller but like faster kind of uh, outside linebacker right now, Sam-ish profile, I think. Gotcha. Uh, and then maybe wrapping it up with the defense with secondary takes. Uh, this was really what I was hoping we would come in here and talk about was uh, just a, the best DBs class that Clemson's seen in a really long time. I still think with the guys that Clemson brought in, the trio of Sherrod Koville, Toriano Pride, and Jaden Lucas, still feel really good about those guys coming in. This is going to be, you can never have too many quality cornerbacks or safeties. Um, look no further than the Ohio State game and the LSU game um, for, for what happens when you're thin at those positions. Um, the last two seasons, how Clemson went out. So great to have these guys come in. I, I think you just, you can't, um, you can't look at that and not think about losing Everett and losing Sab um, and not think of what this class could have been. So, um, yeah, I think that the loss of Everett is the big loss to me. Um, I think he had the ability to give you, you know, either a corner or a, a kind of covering the slot or covering safety. And he had a lot of versatility and was a high end talent. I think to me, um, Keon, uh, you know, he goes to Michigan. I, to me, he was always a bit, I hate saying something like this because it sounds like it's sour grapes, but you could see his, uh, let's just say this from the beginning of his, uh, recruitment to the end, he slid in position rankings, right? So that's not me saying that that's just like what the industry said uh, about him. And, and, um, now I will say it. So I, and I agreed with kind of how at the beginning he was maybe over, uh, hyped, uh, and IMG kind of exposed a little bit of, um, some of the, the thorns there. And, and that isn't to say that he can't be a great defensive player. And I think actually his, his style of play fits with what Michigan, um, does with, with some of their players and how they position them. Um, so I, you know, he, I think he still could have a really solid career, but he wasn't like a speed guy in our second. And that's kind of, I think what we needed more of, um, than kind of like an enforcer necessarily, especially with Makuba and hanging on to Makuba is really, really important. So I, you know, we needed more corner help than we did safety help with the emergence of Makuba and Koval gives us that. Um, and he's, he's a hitter and he, uh, does a lot of great things, um, in the secondary. So I, you know, I'm really, I, I do think that losing Everett was a huge loss and I think we should have gone and tried to grab somebody else and maybe we will in the, in the, uh, in the second kind of recruiting period here, but we have two really elite corner talents and that's where we're going to need to fill some holes when Booth, I think probably ends up going to the NFL. Um, and then, you know, and then we're relying on Jones, who, ha who has had, you know, a little bit of an up and down career at Clemson at times. Um, Fred Davis emerges and then Wiggins kind of emerges. And, and I think that, you know, Pride and, and Lucas are fast tracked to, to see the field sooner rather than later. And they help with special teams and they help with uh, some of those other uh, duties and things. Um, and maybe uh, we can get them on the field faster than, than some of the uh, other uh, DBs. Uh, so, you know, I think that, 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 that it's still a very strong DB class. We had built like one of the best DB classes in Clemson history. So it is kind of sad to see it go, but those three are solid contributors and, and will be the kind of 
uh, core of the secondary um, moving forward and, and provide a lot of great depth. That sounds great. And it, <laughs> it, uh, wordy, sorry, too wordy. Trying to good. <laughs> so much to say. And, um, yeah. you touched on some of the guys that are going to head out. So good still to retain these guys again, could have been a blockbuster class, still really solid. Um, any, any thoughts on Sherrod Kogel? Yeah, no, I think he's a, a very physical downhill type of safety. Um, and, but he still has pretty good coverage skills too. Um, I think he surprises uh, folks with, with how good he's able to track the ball. Um, and he has a really long uh, wingspan, goes up and, and grabs. He's not the tallest uh, safety, but he has the, the wingspan that kind of, you don't expect him. He just like snatches his, the balls with his hand, go-go gadget kind of arm up there, just like bam. And um, he's going to be like one of the most physical players like from the get-go um he, that's just how he he plays the game and i think he's pretty instinctual too um and has played safety so he knows how to play safety um and and won't be kind of learning a new position so uh, i think there's a lot to like there about about Koble. cool um and let's let's wrap up the class and maybe we could get like overall thoughts on where Clemson goes from here, just um, with the roster. Well, you so you, you don't want to talk about Robert Gunn and Jack Smith. No, I, I, I was bringing us back to special oh, okay, teams okay. where uh, look, not enough to have two scholarships going to uh, special team specialists. Um, in addition to a long snapper, which is still TBD and not filled. Um, we'll probably take it'll, a transfer for that, but we'll see. Um, it'll but, get filled for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but we're uh, we're bringing in true freshman kicker Robert Gunn the third Bobby Gunn, and a punter true freshman Jackson Smith. Um, Robert Gunn, I mean, getting BT Potter back that's huge for this team, um, especially with question marks. You know, with new new coordinators on the offensive side, having someone that solid as BT Potter field position game is he's going to play a huge role with that. Uh, so we feel really good about bringing BT Potter back. Robert Gunn uh, doesn't have to contribute as a true freshman. That's probably also very good. He gets to learn from BT. So um, I, all things are good in the kicking game. Yeah. Uh, you know, Potter coming back is just amazing. I, that, that's a huge, huge acquisition uh, and something that's super underrated, right? Somebody who is hundred percent solid on kickoffs, like can put it at the back of the end zone every single time if you want him to um gives you you know a, a a kicker who i you know i like for some reason people were you know kind of like down on potter this was like he had a great year he did, he did great this year um and i you know i don't see that changing next year i think he's going to be solid again next year and he can be a backup punter too uh people forget that he does know how to punt um aiden swanson has to step up right now it's his time uh to punt I love bringing in gun and I just to your point, uh, he gets to learn from Potter and he doesn't have to step in right away. He can get a little bit stronger. He can work on accuracy and, and just acclimate to college football. And there's no worry that he's going to go somewhere else. Right. Um, and, and transfer, um, I, you know, Smith, uh, I do know has a really strong leg and that's a great pickup. I, I love it as a preferred walk on, like, love it, love yeah. it. Um, yeah giving the scholarship. Hey, we got the room, right? All right. 
five scholarships to uh special teams is not ideal um but you know that's that Dabo has always given somebody a long snapper and a kicker a scholarship that other coaches wouldn't have and so you know you just roll with it but um five is not great it would be better at four and could be three but you know we have it at five that is what it is um I'm glad we we went and got somebody who's we we see as like the future um right Smith so and uh, you know Swanson has has well he'll have someone pushing him yeah Yeah, exactly absolutely so I don't you know I love that uh wait I like that Smith is here. I loved that he was a preferred walk on and was happy to be a preferred. Like, I, I, I don't think he was leaving to somewhere else. At least uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that was my understanding um, and wouldn't have needed an immediate scholarship and one would have come open and he would have gotten it later. And that understanding would have happened. But anyway, uh, we have the room, right? So might as well use it on somebody um, that has talent. So definitely a lot of talent with Smith. So that's where I'm at with special teams. Love having Potter back. Just love it. It's big time. Um, so again, class isn't over. You know, we'll keep a, keep a close eye on over the next two, three days. If anyone gets into this early signing period, if not, it'll be the late signing period or the standard one that wraps up at the beginning of February. Uh, we've got a bowl game before that happens. And I'm sure, you know, countless other coaching carousel drama across the sport. Um, hopefully all quiet on the, the, at least the outbound transfer portal front for Clemson. Um, and we'll see if we, we can pick anybody up coming in, in that time frame. Um, but just wanted to see QT, like looking ahead, um, roster management has reared its head. It kind of has over the last couple seasons, but especially now when we look at the big gaps here, um, you know, if I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to give me a number right now that we could revisit on a future show. How many portal takes do you think Clemson will take between now and fall camp closing? Oh, wow. How many, wait, how many do I think they should take or how many how, will, they take? how many will they take? Oh man. I'm going to okay. set the over under at one and a half takes <laughs> and you're right, going I'll, over I, or under. I'm going to go over on that one. Okay. You think they um, go to three? So I, you know, if I had to gamble and bet, I would say three. Um, and but so, yeah, I, I think three is probably the number of what we, what we get. Yep. And the number that I think we should take is, is five to six. Yeah. And that, and, and you, I think that that should be the number in perpetuity. Like that, that should be the number forever. Um, taking five to six really. And, and I'm sorry, like uh, if you have over a thousand, you know, how many players do you have in the portal right now? There's like 2000 players, something crazy like that. Or there are, at least 200 really good players uh, out there and um, you know, and you're recruiting and you're competing against other teams, but lots of good players have already tried to come to Clemson in the past few years through the portal. And Clemson has said to them, eh, you know, we're not interested in the portal and we're not interested in taking anybody. So um, whether that continues, it, it uh, remains to be seen, but there have been in the past, talented players who wanted to play at Clemson who we told no uh and so I think you could find five players out there and all those players who would help Clemson both to improve the talent win games 
and would be culture fits. I, like, I think that that is possible, but it requires a dedication to the portal and, a, and, and wanting to use it. So, yeah. So three, that's where I'm, I'm going to go with three. Okay. I think I agree with you. I think that sounds like a solid number for, I, I don't think it'll be zero. I think uh, Dabo's learned. He knows he's shrewd. He plays the media game really well. I don't think the number would, would possibly be zero. And I think there's just so many spots, such need. And Dabo does not want to see another nine and three season if he could prevent it. And I think a good way to, you know, prevent that happening is fielding a full roster of good talent. So um, I think three is probably a good number. And the last thing I want to say is, um, although I sound very negative, like I think that there is enough talent on the roster right now, right? Even with all the defections and everything, that this can still be a championship level team that makes the playoff. Um, I don't know if that will be the case, you know, next year, especially if this uh, recruiting class doesn't become larger, right. And doesn't gain a, a few more talent, talented, you know, yeah. acquisitions or we don't use the portal. But right now I, I still think we are positioned to be able to compete and win the ACC. We can beat Notre Dame. I still think that um, particularly with a fully healthy roster and just a few tweaks on offense and, and uh, you know, we're going to have some lumps on defense as we figure this thing out with a new co-coordinator team, but the talent is still there, right. To be able to win. And, and that should be the expectation, right. Going into next season that we win 10 games, that we make the playoff, or at least we're in the playoff conversation all the way to the end of the yeah. season. So absolutely. Um, that's positive. And I think parlaying a, a good bounce back 10 win season or possibly possibly more with some solid highlight play will give recruits and high school coaches and handlers and all that, like the, the impression, the sense that Clemson has staying power after the Elliott and Venables departures. That is the most important thing to me is to maintain that, that brand that Dabo and the coaching staff and, you know, everyone associated with the program has worked really hard to develop easy to lose that brand, tough to build it. If you can, you know, maintain that high caliber level of play and display that on the field. Like hopefully that can translate to what, what is, what is going to be a, a large class next year, but hopefully also a very elite class. Cause we need yeah, it. I mean, it, to me, it's gotta be at least 25, if not 30 uh, recruits to kind of maintain a healthy roster. If you're not going to use the, the portal at all. Um, and I agree with you. Like, I think that the Iowa, Iowa state game, like usually bowl games are meaningless, right? Um, but in terms of like being able to sell on the recruiting trail, I do think that uh, that the bowl game will be pretty important. And I actually do think that Iowa State is a pretty dang good team. Um, some of the you know advanced metrics really love Iowa State. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I think that's going to be a challenge. And so it'll be important to kind of watch how the defensive coordinator, how the offensive coordinator operate, the co-coordinators on defense. Um because it, it, it will be like, normally you just throw away the bowl game. Right. And I'm totally fine with throwing away bowl games um, that aren't playoff games, but this will be, I think, uh, instructive of how uh, that those units are functioning um, and what we can kind of expect from them maybe uh, in the future going forward. So a little bit more important than, than um, the normal, but Iowa state is a good opponent uh, and won't be a pushover. They'll, they'll be a tough, tough team to beat. Well, the booster, our, our, our army of booster listeners at this point of the show uh, are on notice to start, you know, shaking the couch cushions, 
Let's get those NIL <laughs> deals rolling for the 2023 class. That is the class that's got to be a winner for Clemson. Um, let's, let's start building that brick by brick with this bowl game coming up. The Cheez-It Bowl, if, I, if, if memory serves. Yes. Cheez-It Bowl. It used to be the Russell Athletic Bowl. Now it's and the, the Tangerine che- Bowl before that. Probably some other names too. Yeah. Um, well, QT, always great to catch up. Wealth and knowledge on display once more for us. So we appreciate it. Um, for everybody, look ahead. QT is probably going to do a recruiting class recap, it sounds like, and um, just musings on the program. So um, you can find him on Twitter at, at Quacking Tiger. He writes over at Shaking the Southland. Um, QT, thank you again. Any parting thoughts? No, no, though I've said way too much and it's not <laughs> as succinct as I wanted to be or as positive as I want. I, I, I am wearing right now my uh, my brand new uh, jacket. I just bought a uh, like one of the cream colored ones. It's kind of the retro ones. So yeah, uh, just if anybody's questioning my fandom out there, like I I'm all in, man. You know, I've always been all in, uh, and I'm wearing it right now, sitting in my new new uh, threads, that looking pretty good. So uh, yes, I yes. I ordered a uh, soccer national champs T-shirt. QT. Oh, uh, nice. What a win Very that nice. was. Um, I think Clemson nation needed that one more than we knew. So that was so awesome. Those on the place, oh man, penalty kicks. Wow. Just amazing. Yeah. Multiple games winning those games and penalty kicks, just a really, really great performance. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that. I need to, I need to invest in one of those as well. You can also get a, uh, a coloring book from, <laughs> you can, no, I, won't, I, won't it. I won't do <laughs> okay. this. Sorry, sorry. You just edit this out. I'm just kidding. All right. I made a national championship coloring book. There, I said it. There we go. You can find it on the internet, maybe, but Amazon somewhere. No links. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, no links. Awesome. Doesn't exist. All right. Thank All right, you. QT. Well, uh, thank you for, for joining us once more. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers. <laughs>